listening to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again. Real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life podcast. I'm Julie Graham, former recorder player, and I did a four-year stint marching the trombone. Ooh, I'm impressed. And I'm Darlene Brock, and... My career before this one was actually in the music business where I traveled with a lot of these bands and worked on the music side of it. So, you know, I'm proud of you for playing your recorder, though, Julie. I really am. Okay, so you've got a little more music business experience, but I'm pretty starstruck over the fact that we are bringing in a musical guest to join us today. So we're really excited to welcome today Skillet's Corey Cooper. Now she plays guitar, she plays keyboards, she writes, she produces, she's a wife, she's a mom, yep, all of that and more. So welcome, Corey. (laughs) Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. So excited to have you with us. And part of the reason we're drawn to you, Corey, is because like Dar just said, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. Um, It just seems like you've got this incredible grit about you. To, um, to do all of the things and, and to run harder, push faster, um, but to carry yourself with such grace. And we are drawn to strong women, and you definitely epitomize that to us. Oh, thank you so much. I, I, uh, I think I'm definitely strong in the grit. Uh, the grace maybe doesn't come as naturally, but, you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, one thing that kind of fascinates us, and we talk a lot about this because of the climate today of, you know, the world of male and female working together. Can you work together? Can you not work together? And you live in a very, uh, in the rock world, it's very male dominated. Can you give us a little background? How does that work for you? Does it work for you? What do you find there? Well, I think when I first started doing rock music in, in the rock world, you know, maybe 20 years ago. Um, I was a little bit naive, you know, I kind of always, I never necessarily thought compartmentally in terms of like, only guys can do this, only girls can do this. So I always did a lot of things that I guess were guy related, but I just thought, I don't know, why can I not do it? Um, Not necessarily in a female empowering way, but in a naive way of like, yeah, I I think I can do this too. So I entered the world naive um, and quickly realized that guys didn't want me there. (laughs) And uh, in order for me to have any credibility as a musician, as a performer, that I had to like step up my game so much further than a guy would just to be, you know, uh, become against that stereotype of, oh, she plays like a girl, you know, which is a negative, was a negative, you know. Um, And now fast forwarding all these years later, I think we're entering into a time where it actually works for us that we have girls in the band. (laughs) I think you're right. Absolutely. We've moved into like the girl power zone where it's like, okay, yeah, chick drummer, cool. All girls want to play drums and, you know, chick guitar player, cool. You know, so I think it actually helps us now, but it definitely for most of our career really kind of hurt us. Um, But at least the initial. But then when, when people would see us perform, then they'd be like, oh, okay, she doesn't play like a girl. So, <laughs> so there, I guess Skillet's okay. <laughs> so you said you've been, you know, doing rock for 20 years. Did you come into the band already with your husband, John, or what's the background there? Because our audience may or may not know um, that you're, you're actually in a band with your husband. And I'm sure that has its own set of stories and challenges <laughs> and amazing parts to it. Yeah, a little bit of history. Uh, Skillet got signed um, by a small Christian label back in 1996. 
Um, and so they went touring full time in 97. John and I got married in 97. Busy um, year. I had just been it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even a year later. And they, you know, they decided to tour full time. So, you know, when you start off, you're in a van. Um, and John and I were talking, we didn't really want, I was in other bands, just locals, you know, and kind of always felt called to do music, didn't know what that was going to look like. And John and I talked and we, we didn't really feel the grace to be separated. We wanted to kind of do this together. So I just jumped in and did merchandise because Skillet was a three piece back then. They didn't have keyboards. I was primarily a keyboard player. So um, with their second record, they added keyboards. And because I was already on the road, they were like, you know, we don't want to play with tracks. It's cheesy. And so we need a live player. And so Corey's here. So the rest of the band were kind of like, yeah, I guess I guess she can play. It's fine. As long as, you know, she's already out and she plays for free. So that's how I got in the band. (laughs) You were a budget consideration (laughs) at that point. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Still doing merch and all that. So um, and then fast forwarding, you know, Skillet got heavier. There's been a progression of sound with Skillet. um, And over the years. They got heavier on a record and really took away a lot of the keyboard. So John was, I was turning 30, um, pregnant with my daughter. And um, John said, hey, you're going to have to learn guitar. <laughs> so that's when I started playing guitar. I'm like, okay, I guess I need to start learning to play guitar. So that's primarily what I do in the band now is, is guitars. Um, and then sort of behind the scenes, John and I do a lot of the writing um, and producing. So that's, you know, my, my biggest uh contribution to the band is probably something that most people don't see you know it's more behind the scenes building the production and the sound and you know how are we going to shift our sound this time and then executing that so that's kind of my job well I know that on this new album called Victorious you helped produce it more than you ever have you co-produced am I yes. correct you are correct so we I have never my first you know production thing on my own was the ledger our, our drummer has a side project called ledger She's a solo artist as well. So I got to produce most of that on my own, which was, you know, fun for me. Within Skillet, you know, I feel like I'm still doing similar things to what I've always done. It's just that we always had like, you know, that that last objective ear and voice is kind of your producer. So he helps sort of keep you in lanes that, you know, artists can tend to just go a little bit crazy and don't really know what people like about them. And that producer is the guy that sort of pulls it back and keeps you like in a lane. So we've always kind of wanted that objective voice before. And I think maybe just because we've been around for so long, we kind of know what our fans like from us. We kind of know how far we can push the boundaries, you know, to try to win new fans and demographics and stuff like that. So I think John and I felt comfortable, like, let's just, you know, you did the ledger thing. It went well. So why don't we just try this one on our own? So it's really the first time that I got to wear this hat with Skillet and I loved it. That is so cool. I love that you mentioned um, the ledger um, EP because we actually had Jen on uh, right after she released that. And one of my favorite parts of that conversation on her episode with us is how she talked about her relationship with you um, and how you've been such a a critical mentor in her life and um, just what an honor it is to to be doing music with you and to have your voice um, in her life and not just in music. And so we Uh, as, you know, Dar and I have that kind of relationship. We work together, but we're also, you know, friends and confidants. We just loved hearing that. So just so you know, she spoke very highly of your um, your influence in her life, which we really uh, just appreciated. That's so cool. I mean, I always feel like, you know, wherever God has you, he wants you to be an influence. Yeah. Um, and so if he entrusts you with people like right in your camp, like with Jen, I'm like, she was 16 when I met her. She was living at my parents' house, going to worship school. Mm-hmm. She was 18 when she joined the band, you know, had only really been a Christian for a couple of years. I'm like, Lord, you know, what kind of voice do you want me to be here? Obviously, I want to serve her and help shape her. But 
you know, what's my role here? And even throughout the years, because, you know, it's been 11 years since she's been in the band, the roles shifting, you know, seasons change. And each time I'm like, Lord, you know, what kind of voice do you want me to be? I guess it's like with your kids too, you know, when they're five, you are different with them than when they're 15. Mm -hmm. And so, and I don't want to be that, you know, controlling mom that's always telling her what to do. I want her to be able to grow, even in her musicianship and her songwriting. Like sometimes I just need to not say, as opposed to say, just so that she can grow and mature. But I, I just feel honored when God, you know, brings people into your life that you can speak into and you can serve. Because it's, uh, it's massively fulfilling, and it's really our role to be Jesus to people, you know? Totally is. And what I we love is when women do it with other women. Because we have this, I think sometimes people perceive us as we can't get along, and sometimes we can't. Yes. And that we bring each other down, and some, sometimes we do. Um, yes. But I think one of the things we want to encourage our women to do is exactly what you've done. Support one another. Believe in one another. Right. Help one another right. be better, stronger you know, whatever yes. they're supposed to do, step in and be their mentor. Yeah, because it's a win for all of us in the end. I mean, if we're out here building the kingdom of God, you know, when when people are more like Jesus, it's a win for everybody because it glorifies him. And I think insecurity is just, uh, we all have it. It's just such an ugly thing and it can skew your perceptions on everything. And the more you try to like have that win for yourself and the spotlight for yourself or whatever it is, it's just so ugly and it's not like Jesus, you know, I mean, Philippians too. he, he came not to be served, but to serve, you know, and if, if that's the way he is, why wouldn't I want to be that way and see his, you know, his life being built up in someone, building up someone, the fact that we can have uh, produced life with our tongues, you know, life and death are, and the power of a tongue. I'm like, I will, I want my tongue to be used to build life in someone, to build courage in someone, to see, you know, them reach their full potential. And I don't want to feel threatened by that. Even if they outshine me, that's awesome. Why is that a threat? You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think even kind of going back to that idea of right now, everywhere you look, it's all about, you know, women supporting women and all of that. And and we, we love that message, but we also feel like the message is a little bit confusing. <laughs> yes. um, you know, it's, it seems like the message is women are the main deal now and men should step back. And we, Right. We just can't get behind that. So as somebody who yes. um, who obviously believes in and supports strong women, kind of what's your take on that? And what do you think makes a strong woman? I mean, I think in our culture, we have moved so narcissistic that we think, you know, self-empowerment and self and advancement of self is uh, freedom and the answer. And, you know, I, I think that there's such power, um, for example, in mothering in nurturing. We, we don't want to take the time to nurture uh, because we're in the shadows. It's almost like if we're not in the spotlight, if we're not at the center, then it's it's not empowering for some reason. And I think it's empowering to serve, to to love in the shadows when it's not about you, it's a, when it's about someone else or it's about the greater good. Mm-hmm. And I also think to tear one down to try to build the other up is just, it, you're, you're actually doing what you're fighting against, you know? Well, we want to have, you know, female empowerment but it's it shouldn't be at the expense of males you don't have to tear a male down to be on top i think that we can all be strong and we can all complement each other in our different in our various roles and i think that if you're a strong female then you, it will speak for itself you know if there's a force on the outside that's holding you back yeah you know maybe we can fight against that but i think that you you shine as you are strong in your character as you, I think selflessness is a beautiful thing. 
And I think it's the opposite of what culture thinks is empowering. I love that. And, you know, since you do work with John, you guys work closely together building something, you know, you have to respect what he brings and he respects what you bring. And I think we found that a lot of times this, again, the female empowerment wave doesn't respect the other, yes. the other gender. They don't treat them with dignity and respect. And if we're going to be equal, we need to equally respect one another. That's right. If you hold someone down because of, you know, their color or because of their sex or because of, then you're just as bad as being held down because you're a female. I'm like, it's the same philosophy. Exactly. You're just twisting it to work against someone else. And that's not the way that we all will flourish. We'll all flourish when we um, have the, the security and the confidence to know, you know, I, I don't fight against John because he's male. If, if he's my boss and he's making a bad call or if we're, if we're songwriting and I don't like an idea, I don't shoot it down because he's male. I just shoot it down because I don't like the idea, you know? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and I'm sure that doesn't happen often. <laughs> yeah. And how does he respond to that when that happens? Um, you know, there usually, well, there are some dynamics, I think because you're married, that you have to be even more sensitive. So sometimes if we're in a writing session, it's the two of us and someone else. Um, I think sometimes you can have thicker skin because, you know, it's someone you don't know as well. You want to be on your best behavior. <laughs> but when it's someone you're really intimate with, sometimes you can be the worst with them. Yeah. <laughs> so True. sometimes True. when he shoots me down, it'll be in like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily coming from just the idea. It's like a character flaw that you have that he knows. So it's like it's all tying in or I can do the same, you know, throw something at him like this isn't even related to my idea that you're shooting down, it's just because you think I'm being stubborn because we got in a fight last night where I was being stubborn, you know, like, can we just like isolate all that you know about me and, and try to like uh, be subjective in this mo or be more objective in this moment. Yeah. But um, we've learned to work it out well. And, and I think knowing your role, and I don't mean my role as a female, I mean, my role as like, he's my boss, ultimately, I mean, we run the thing together. But he's the visionary for Skillet. He's the primary writer. He's the arranger, the sound, all of it comes from him. And so, yeah, we do it together and I throw in all my ideas and I, I give my best to it. But ultimately, he's the decider. So, you know, if if one of my ideas gets shot down I, and I fight for it and it's not going well, I'm like, OK, he I'm trusting his judgment because he's run this thing all these years and he's the visionary behind it. So I will I will give in to his strength. I think he, I actually think he's a genius, too. So even if I wasn't married to him, I'm like, this guy is so talented. He's crazy prolific. He's a genius. I'm just going to go with, you know, respect the authority that he carries in here, you know? Well, and I think it takes a strong woman to be able to, you know, say this, this is my position, this is my role. And because I respect that position and role, then I'll choose to follow and trust. And hey, there's also the fact that at the end of the day, it falls on him and not on you. So that's not a bad thing either. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we can tie our identity into strange things, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, I, I feel very secure in, in my giftings and where God's called me to be in my place and my role in here. I feel very secure in it. And when I'm working with other artists it might be different when I'm working with Jen, it's a different role. And I'm going to go in there and serve the best I can in that role as well. And I feel the same way with Skillet, you know, regardless of if he's my husband or if he's male or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm here. I feel strong. I'm not trying to get my identity in you thinking I'm a great artist or my idea is winning. I mean, in the end, that's kind of insecurity to me. <laughs> so, yeah, For sure. You, you just said you feel secure in your role and your gifting. All right. I think we all struggle with getting there at different times in life. 
Corey, what got you to the place where you go, you're confident in your talents and your abilities? I'm sure there were seasons you questioned it. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, growing up, I was, you know, an introverted person, sort of artistic and deep and maybe a little bit strange and uh, <laughs> dealt with insecurities. You know, like I have an older sister who's like, she's amazing, homecoming queen, you know, real popular and everybody loved her. And I'm like, I just don't really have that personality. I'm not bubbly and I'm not like naturally like crazy friendly. And, you know, so I, I did deal with a ton of insecurities. And I think maybe as I've gotten older, I've realized, you know, some of your greatest fears, sometimes they happen. And then you're like, oh, was it really as bad as I thought? You know, I have tons of people that love me and all I can really do is my best. And I, I'm, I'm an achiever. So, and I'm a productive person. I want to get better at all the things God's gifted me at. I want to get better and I want to be faithful. But at the end of the day, it is what it is, you know? So I, I'm offering you what I have. And I think I'm pretty good at stuff. I'm not the best. I'm not the worst. Yeah. And I think for, for the roles that I play, I think I'm an asset. But if they got somebody else in that was better than me, I think I'd be fine with it now. Because I'm kind of like, I don't know. I can only do what I can do. I've done my best. And I've been a good steward of what I have. And that's all I can do, you know? I'm serving the Lord. And he loves me. He'll strengthen me. He'll give me grace to do what I have to do. And I just want him to be pleased with me at the end of the day. So as long as he's pleased, I'm, I'm happy. And I think ultimately that's exactly where we want our friends who listen to the show to be able to land that, you know, you do trust that God has given you life experiences and talents and abilities, and they're not going to look like the other men or women around you. And that's on purpose. And right. you can lean into your gifts while they lean into theirs. And like you said, kind of settle into your role and give your very best in those places. And then trust that yes. God will move you and purpose you wherever he wants you. And that's where you that's right. Yeah. And I think I've also learned that the older I get, because I think when you're younger, you think at some point you're going to feel like totally stable and totally capable of all the things that are in front of you. And I think the older you get, the more you realize I'm never going to have that feeling. <laughs> this is, it's, this it's is never as good gonna, as that feeling is going to be. Where I am right now is as secure as I'm going to be. Exactly. <laughs> no matter what I can achieve or, you know, how intelligent I can be, I'm never going to really feel prepared and I'm never going to feel like totally capable of myself. So that's actually, I've, I've, I've grown to be okay with that. <laughs> okay. So you're okay with where you are musically. We talked about your career. What about your family? I know you're juggling. Obviously you work with your husband, but he's your husband too. You're a wife. You're a mother right. of two children who travel with you. Am I correct? Yes, definitely. Okay. How do you juggle it all, Corey? Give us, give us the insights. I think that we, we have for a rock band, you know, we do a lot of dates a year, 200 plus dates a year. Um, and then while, while you're touring, you're running business, you're writing more songs, you're producing other artists. So it's always, always busy. Um, and so we kind of have, we're pretty structured for a band. So like our kids will get up on the road, they'll get up at eight. They typically do school on days we work so that we can all have days off together. So like our weekend might be like Monday and Tuesday. Um, and they get up at eight. John and I are usually up by nine, which is early for, you know, what we do. <laughs> and we get to hang with the kids for a second. They do school in the front lounge. So we're kind of in and out seeing them. We have a nanny who oversees all their schooling. So she's out with us on the road and she kind of handles that stuff. Um, and then John and I will be working in the back lounge. So we're in the vicinity with the kids. We have a bit of like, this is our normal life. We'll go in the back lounge. We'll be writing music. We'll be demoing, whatever. And then our workday typically starts around five o'clock where we'll have meet and greets, whatever. 
so in the meantime, we've gotten to see the kids a little bit here and there. And then we go to work, we come off stage, and then I see the kids, get to pray with them before they go to bed, talk to them, and then the next day it all starts over. They're just lovely kids, and they, even though their environment has been a bit strange to be raised in, they're, they're really stable, they're really confident. Um, talking to adults because they've been around adults all the time. They've been around a, di- a huge diversity of different kinds of people, you know, rock tours, which you can only imagine mm-hmm. what that's like behind the scenes. And, you know, obviously we'll do things that can, um, you know, maybe different tours are like, all right, you guys aren't leaving the bus after seven, you know, might be something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we're, sometimes we're playing four square with all the rock bands because, you know, we're just hanging out. They're playing four square with my kids. So it just depends on, you know, most people are respectful of the fact that there are, are kids around too. So it's all good. It's crazy. And each season brings its own challenges, but we just kind of roll with it, you know? You know what I love? And I think a lot of moms think they need to have a normal quote unquote life for their children to grow up and right. be who they're supposed to be. And sure. what I love that you just said is obviously you're kind of out of the box here on raising your kids. <laughs> Um, but I think that is magnificent because wherever God calls you as a parent, he's also called your children to it. Yes. He's also, he has put them in your family because of who they're supposed to be and how you're supposed to raise them. And I really want to encourage parents out there to know that, to know that it's a specialty of theirs, whatever world they're in for their children to become the adults that you pray they will be one day. That is a hundred percent. I believe that. And John and I, you know, we weren't going to have kids. We didn't know if we'd have kids. We both felt called to music and we were kind of like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we for sure weren't going to have kids on the road. And then God started speaking to us, you know, cause it, like, like you, you rat, in your natural wisdom, you're like, yeah, I don't know if that would be fair to them. And mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll move on to that season when this is over. And then John started having dreams that we were going to have a baby and he started getting excited about us having a baby. And then, you know, within a couple of months, we had had so many people and this, this was a rare occurrence. So many people have dreams that we had a kid or a word that we were going to have a kid. So I was like, okay, after two months of like the constant of that, I'm like, I don't even need to pray about it. So clearly the Lord. So God's going to have to, you know, all of my mindset of what's fair and, you know, how a, a child can flourish are just going to have to go by the wayside because ultimately, if I'm in obedience to what God says, I need to be in obedience and I need to be in faith. And if I am, then that's the best place I can be for my children. You know, that's the best example. And that's the safest place for them is when I'm not in disobedience and I'm not in fear. So I'm like, okay, I'm certain that this is what God has, has called us to do. So for my children, you know, this is what he has for them to shape them into what he's called them to be and do. So I'm like, okay, then my, my role as a mom is to help steer, um, to keep them safe, but not to, I, there's no reason for me to control because control something against what God's calling would be the worst. That's like the worst place to be, you know? And so I want to be a person of faith. I want to use my wisdom. I want to use my natural wisdom, but I also want to use my fear of the Lord wisdom that says, this is what God's called me to do. God is even more concerned for my children than I am. So, and I think a lot of parents can be in that, you you can, you can tend to be anxious, like, is this fair? Or are they getting all the experiences they should be? Is this going to be healthy for them to be shaped as a person? We can roll into like anxiety zone and want to like control something. And I think we use our natural wisdom and we make good decisions and we feel out how things are at and see how things are going, not to be naive or idealistic, 
but also I need to be in a place of, of faith with the Lord in my heart. And if I'm not, that's going to be worse for my family than if I, you know, if I'm not here. So my children, you know, they've, they've been around the world. They've been on tour with, you know, the biggest Christian bands. They've been on tour with big, huge rock bands that a lot of people would feel like are demonic. And maybe some of them are, I don't know. Um, But they've been in uh, strange environments and they're the same in those environments as they are in the Christian environments. They love people. I mean, we, we were on our first rock tour we were ever on. Um, the, the lead singer of the band, his brother had killed himself two weeks before the tour. And so everybody was going in, you know, quite sobered. And I, I was talking to my daughter about it. I think she was probably about five years old. And we used to pray every night before bed. And so I said, I want us to start praying for, you know, I said the, the guy's name and I want you to pray for him because he's going to be feeling really sad. You know, that's what she could understand. And within a week in catering, she walks right up to him. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the disarmingness of, of, of a child and the, the simplicity of their thought. She walked right up to him and she said, hi, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. You know, and I, it wasn't provoked by me. It was genuine. You know, she loves the Lord. She knows that God can, can heal people. And she just genuinely cares about this guy. And it's cool to see how God has used my kids in some ways behind the scenes, I feel like even more than me because they can get in there and just disarm and they're so pure hearted and genuinely loving people that most of the rock bands we tour with, I always have people coming up to me that I haven't even met, that haven't been to catering or whatever. First couple of weeks of a tour, they come up to me and they say, they just look at me as if I've done something amazing. And I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go. And they say, your children are amazing. What do you do? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's just God using my kids too. So it's cool. You know, love it. Sounds like you're doing something right, mama. I want to know about the new album, Victorious. I know, um, Dar mentioned you did more of the producing on it, but can you tell us a little bit, um, you know, the, the dream behind the album, what you're excited about and, um, you know, anything else you want to share about that new project? Yeah, I think, you know, John and I always pray about what is God, you know, wanting us to say through this album, um, we do a lot of like cultural studies and, you know, cause you want to speak it. We have a, a pretty young demo and we want to speak in a language that they can understand both musically, sonically and lyrically and things that people are going through. So one of the things that we felt like on this album thematically was, you know, the world is, especially in America, like everything is awesome. You know, people don't have problems. Other people don't know that people have problems. You have like filters on Instagram, you have social media people don't realize that um, other people might have flaws because we filter them out with, you know, all the pictures look amazing. We, we can, uh, it's like our life in a snapshot and it's an amazing one. And I think people uh, don't know that you can, are almost called victorious, that you can be victorious, but it's going to be through going through trials and pain and life can be super hard sometimes, you know, and we all have hard things coming our way and, but we can be victorious through them. It's just a matter of the perseverance through the trial and knowing that God is with you in the trial, knowing that there's hope in the trials and the tribulations and the sufferings, but not to be so disillusioned when they come your way, because that's life, you know? I love the concept of the album, and we're right there with you in philosophy and thought on the life. This life has a lot of hardship, a lot of hurt, a lot of challenges, but that's not the end of the story ever. Right. And right, that right, idea right. of not wanting to always filter it out, to be willing to talk about it and to acknowledge that it's there, um, but then really be able to say, 
and it's okay that it's there because God is with us in it. So, yes. And these things, you know, these things can make us stronger. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's how you grow is that you have adversity and you can grow on the adversity. You know, it's like lifting weights. I mean, it hurts. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that. Julie does. Julie does that. I don't. (laughs) And as I said, yeah, Dar, you know, just like when you're lifting weights. Yeah, just like me. No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, sometimes we we don't we we don't in our culture like to embrace uh, these things. It's like, uh, you know, you have teams and we don't want to say who's a winner or who's a champion or whatever. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it's negative and you can't actually take the adversity out of life. It's there, you know, and you it can be used to make you stronger to it kind of makes you who you are when you face it and you move forward. Totally agree. Okay. I can't let you go without just one, one more thing. Graphic novel. You guys put out a graphic novel. How awesome is that? And what I loved Corey is the illustration of you. You look like you could take down anybody in that (laughs) image. I loved it. You know, I, my husband is like, he's, he grew up reading graphic novels. I didn't really even know what they were to me. It's it's basically like a a longer comic book. I'm like, okay, okay, that's cool. You know, and he's been really involved in like the story and, and the art, you know, it's involved just very initially in, in my first picture of artwork, but you don't really know how they're going to write you. And I'm kind of like, oh, I hope that I'm, I mean, I'm excited about this overall and overall, I'm sure it'll be great. And it'll be a great message, but I hope I'm not lame. It's kind of like the fear. (laughs) Because I'm like, you know, when you're like the wife or the mom, usually you're like, I don't know, is that going to be, am I going to be a strong character? I, am I even going to be in it at all? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so it, the way that it's transpired, I'm like, okay, talk about grit and grace. I'm like, this is so cool. And uh, I'm such a fighter in it, which I love and kind of feisty, which I love because it's, it is totally me. It feels like me. The funny thing is all four of our characters really resemble us. And I don't really, the guys don't really. I mean, John obviously knows us. He did the concept and kind of the overarching story, but the guys who wrote don't know us, but they really nailed each of our sort of characters, which I'm totally stoked on. And I love the kind of the, with sci-fi and graphic novels, there's always that kind of like a spiritual element. And there's that, uh, for me, this one is like that in Ecclesiastes, how it talks about there's, we have eternity in our hearts and we, our hearts can't fathom it. Kind of that yearning for something greater um, and something more like I felt like I was called to do more than this or to be more than this. And I'm certain that it is. And if, but I don't know what it is. That's kind of a little bit what this graphic novel is to me. I find it really moving. John, will, you know, John will get chapters and I actually cry reading them, which I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a graphic novel. And the great thing, too, about it is most graphic novels aren't kid friendly. Um, and this one is totally kid friendly. So I'm like, this could be like a cool Netflix series or something. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, I like that. that. I like that vision casting. Well, we'll definitely link to um, the the novel in the show notes um, for this episode. We'll link to how they can get the album, how they can listen to you. Do you want to let us know how our friends can become your friends? Do you want them to follow you on social media? Um, what, what would be good for you? Yes. Uh, Skillet's Facebook is a great place. Skillet.com. Um, I have my own, we all have our own personal, you know, Instagram, Twitter, and all that kind of stuff too. So you could find me, it's Corey Cooper on my Insta and my Twitter. All right. Well, we'll be sure to link to all of that. And of course, we'll definitely put in the show notes, the article you wrote for us a couple years ago for the Grit and Grace Project, where you shared a little bit about life and motherhood and rock and roll. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. Corey, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We, um, we are so thankful for your your impact on being a woman of grit and grace, being a strong woman who's doing the thing um, where God has placed you in some really, really cool ways. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I always enjoy it. 
Well, I want to wrap up this episode with Corey Cooper by quoting her. She said this on womanhood. Our culture is skewed about womanhood. I think it's beautiful that we're different. So do we here at This Grit and Grace Life. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project online magazine. Whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or streaming the show, be sure to take a couple moments to subscribe, rate, and review so you never miss the next episode. You can also share the show with a friend you think might enjoy living a grit and grace life with us. Every week we share all the details on everything we discuss in the episode at thegritandgraceproject.org. We'll catch you on the next one.